0: Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. All the other scriptures will be up here on the screen, um, but uh, Isaiah chapter 42, we'll get there in just a moment. So uh, over the last uh, four weeks, uh, this is our fourth week of this series, we've been looking at hidden heroes, unveiling the women in Christ's lineage. Um, We have two ladies left to look at in the genealogy of Jesus. As with the other three that we've looked at, Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth, we find it surprising to find this fourth one included in the line of Christ. She's like the other four. She's a Gentile which is a non-Jew, a person that's coming from a, a difficult history. Now, I say it's somewhat surprising, but I don't think we should be completely surprised. Uh, this morning, uh, as I was uh, feeding the baby uh, of the bottle, uh, I was watching The Chosen. And so I'm on the last episode of season three, and, uh, and they're sitting there, and Matthew is, is studying over the genealogy of Jesus. And uh, he's looking through this because when we go to Matthew, who wrote the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Matthew, Matthew does. And he says, you know what? It's very interesting as I look at this. There's a lot of Gentiles in the lineage of Jesus. He says, but I guess it shouldn't surprise us. And then he goes on and he quotes Isaiah chapter 42, verses uh, 6 and 7. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thy hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from prisons and that uh, them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. And so all along, God intended Gentiles to be a part of his lineage, to be a part of his life. All along, God had a plan that Israel wasn't the only people that were going to know the one true God. He wanted to include us throughout all of time. And as we've looked at the genealogy of Jesus, and we look back at all the ladies that we've looked at, at Tamar and Rahab and Ruth, and at the one that we're going to look at today, and see that they're all Gentiles, it shouldn't surprise us how much God loves us just as much as he loved his chosen people. Her name that we're going to look at today is not given in the genealogy of Jesus, but there's no doubt who she is, and we'll see why that is in just a moment. Her name is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. No doubt, when Matthew was led to write the genealogy of Christ in Matthew chapter 1, God had a purpose for only mentioning Gentile women before we come to Mary. Mary's going to be the only one out of all the ladies that we've looked at that is from the tribe of Israel, or from Israel, a Jew. Perhaps one of the reasons why God did this was to remind the Jews that their line wasn't as pure as they thought it was, and he was trying to point them away from their pride. Perhaps another reason that God did this was to remind people that his saving grace has always been for all people, regardless of their past, regardless of their nationality and regardless of their circumstances. And just like I said, when we looked at uh, when we looked at Tamar and we looked at Rahab and we looked at Ruth, we saw that all of them came from very difficult situations. And if you know anything about the life of Bathsheba, you also know that there's difficulty In her life. And so when we look at Bathsheba today, I want us to see justice in the face of injustice, justice in the face of injustice. Let's pray and then we'll get into the message. God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for these ladies that you've mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. I I know it's kind of unusual that we're not talking about Mary today, the day before we celebrate your birth. But Lord, I think that who we're looking at today is very important when we look at Bathsheba and the beautiful story that you brought from her life despite the injustice that was done to her. And Lord, I believe that there's probably uh, people who are here this morning that have had injustice done to them. They've been treated unjust. They've been served with unjust circumstances because of the hands of somebody else. But Lord, you desire to make their story beautiful as well and god i pray that as we look at your word we look at the life of Bathsheba and the circumstances that she comes from and the beautiful picture of the gospel that you even give us through her lord that we would respond according to your word and god will thank you and praise you for it in jesus name amen all right back in matthew chapter one and verse number six um, and let's actually just go back just a few verses before that let's let's just kind of read cuz we're getting down close to the end of the genealogy of Jesus um let's start at uh at um verse number 1 uh, the book of the generations of Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren and Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Tamar and Phares begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. And so we're going to stop right there. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll, we'll continue through this genealogy, and you're probably thinking, man, that was a lot of weird names in there and things like that, but uh, there's a reason why I wanted to read that to see where we're going. This is going to be the last woman that's mentioned before we get to Mary. But you notice something curious there. It says that David begat Solomon of the wife of Uriah. You guys have probably heard of David and Bathsheba. How many of you guys would say, hey, I know the story of David and Bathsheba? You know, even those that maybe haven't been in church for long or you've never been to church, you probably have heard possibly of this story of David and Bathsheba. If I was to give an alternate title to this message, it'd be from injustice to justice. So we're going to look into the story of David and Bathsheba and see what's going on here and see how this story of Bathsheba plays right into the gospel of Jesus as he offers it to us today. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, the first thing we see this morning is we see uh, the wrong place at the wrong time. And it came to pass after the year was expired and the time when kings go forth to battle that David, son of Joab, uh, sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba. Uh, but David tarried still in Jerusalem and it came to pass that in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof He saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon and David sent and inquired after the woman and one said is not this Bathsheba The daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanliness. And she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now, again, as we've been looking through all these stories, the Bible is not shy to tell us what's happening. If you remember when we looked at Tamar, I said, you know, I've always joked that the Bible is full of stories that we would make the perfect soap opera. This is another one of these stories that would make a perfect soap opera. Right. And so the Bible's not shy to stay away from the hard things. This 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 is why I, I believe that we can know that the word of God is true, because if God. Uh, Was not real or God was just some made-up person and this Bible was written just by men Do you think men would include the bad things that are throughout the Word of God the hard things that are throughout the Word of God? Absolutely not God doesn't shy away from a a putting the hard things in his word because he wants us to see that there's lessons that we can learn even through the hardship of others I mean, whenever you look at all of Israel, the times that they rebel and then they turn back to God and then they rebel and then they turn back to God and then they rebel and they turn back to God and God sends judgment and they're sorry for what they've done. And then they turn back to God and, and, and we look at that and we're like, man, why do they include that? Because we do the same thing. How often do we walk with God for a while and then, uh, and then we're like, well, you know what? Life is too good with, without God. I'm just going to turn away from Him for a little while. Then we go through hardship and, and then we go through trials and we're like, well, I really need God in my life again. And we turn back to Him. We're just like the people of Israel. There's no difference. And in fact, Paul in one of his epistles tells us that the Old Testament was given for our example to show us not, uh, what, what not to do. Yet we still do exactly what Israel did. As we unfold the story, I want us to be careful before making assumptions that maybe we've been taught to believe in in the past. In the very first verse, if you underline the, in your Bible, I want you to make, uh, mark these words in your Bible. At the time when kings go forth to battle. The wrong place at the wrong time. David wasn't where he should have been. And he makes that clear right from the very beginning. David was supposed to have been at war. He was supposed to be out battling. Not sending Joab ahead of him to go fight his battle for him. David was supposed to be at war. The first verse makes that clear that David was not supposed to be in the kingdom at this time. It was a time that he should have been at war. But David had given his responsibility to Joab to take the armies of Israel to war when it was David's responsibility to lead the charge. The beginnings of trouble that we're about to look at started with David being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, we could even stop right there, and we could say, you know what, how many times have we been in the wrong place at the wrong time because we're not following what God has called us to do? We're not obeying what God has commanded us to do because we chose to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. This wasn't a matter of accidentally being in the wrong place at the wrong time, because sometimes that happens. This was his choice. He said, I'm staying at the palace, and I'm going to send the the army off to, to war now there's some that believe that david was planning what was about to happen and that's why he stayed away from war now i only want to be black and white where the bible is black and white we can't say that for sure is there a possibility absolutely but we do know this David failed in his responsibility of where he was supposed to be. Bathsheba now, on the other hand, she was at the right place at the right time. What do you mean? So I want you to wipe clean everything that you know of Bathsheba. Hollywood and even some preachers paint a picture of Bathsheba as a seductress that knew that David would be watching her while her husband was away and was luring the king to have an adulterous relationship with her. This is a completely false view of Bathsheba. Bathsheba is a godly woman. Bathsheba was trying to follow what God had told her to do. Bathsheba was actually in the right place at the right time because if you noticed in in our scripture, it said that she had gone down to bathe and then uh, when, it, when you skip down a little bit, uh, it said that um, when, when David came in, she was pured from her uncleanliness. All right, so just so you have a little understanding of what's going on, she was in her time of purification. In the Bible, when a woman was going through her monthly cycle, she was considered unclean. She was not able to enter into the temple at the time of worship with the rest of the congregation. Aren't you thankful we don't follow the law today? When the cycle was finished, she was required to end the seventh day to ceremonially cleanse herself. Not for physical cleansing, but for spiritual cleansing. And so this was written into the law, what she's supposed to do. The Bible clearly tells us that this is what's happening with Bathsheba in verse number 4, for she was purified from her uncleanliness. Also, I want you to notice a detail that's important. Now, maybe it's just me remembering something wrong, uh, but I'm going to ask the question, and we'll see whether uh, anybody else remembers this being told to you. All right? Uh, I want you to notice a detail that's very important. Where do we usually think Bathsheba was when David looked off the palace roof? On a roof, on a housetop, taking a bath. That's what I've heard preached in churches most of my life. It's a lie. It's not true. It was a detail that's been added by others. And this is important because this changes how we view this entire passage of Scripture. She was not on top of the roof. It was David that was on top of the roof. Nowhere in that passage of Scripture did it say that Bathsheba was on top of her roof uh, taking a bath. The reality is that Uh, Bathsheba was most likely in a place where there was ceremonial cleansing going on. Why? Because she was cleansing herself. She was obeying the law that had been given to her. And so there's only two places that David could have looked. She was either uh, in a a mikvah, which was like a a bathhouse, which they would go to to cleanse themselves ceremonially. And, And let me also add this little detail in there. Most of the time when they would go in, and they would be cleansing themselves, they were fully clothed. So it's not like she was trying to be the seductress. This was David's own lust. She was either in a mikveh or in a flowing river that all those who need to be cleansed would go to. Bathsheba was fulfilling the law, not looking to seduce a king. Now we come to this place where this is an act of injustice done to her. This isn't how a a lot of people have tried to paint Bathsheba. She was actually a woman who was trying to fulfill and obey what God had called her to do. Next we see an unjust act against an innocent lady. Some people would say that Bathsheba wasn't innocent because she could have or should have resisted David's call. But remember who he is? He's the king. She couldn't say no to the king. Notice again from the text, it tells us that he lay with her. It was an act of David that was highlighted in the scripture, not the act of Bathsheba. And just so you know, for all um, understanding, this was an act of David raping Bathsheba. He forced her, himself on her. He forced her to lay with him. There's a lot of things that go on in our world today that is absolutely unjust. And a lot of times it's happening in the very place it shouldn't be happening. In the place that's supposed to be godly and loves God. But there's so much sexual abuse going on, and physical abuse going on, and spiritual abuse that's going on in the churches of America today. Let alone all the injustices that are happening in the world with racism and, 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 and uh, um, again, all these abuses that are out there. Those are unjust. They're not right, they're not good. It's sad. And so here we are faced with Bathsheba, who's in a place of injustice. This is an unjust act given to a, a, an innocent lady. And it's sad. And it's happening to people all across our country and other countries today. But can I, And maybe it's even happened to some of you who are part of this service today or are listening by live stream. You have had some injustice done to you. And you say, how can this be done and give God glory? How could God let this happen to me? How could God allow these things and make something beautiful out of my story? Because I know I've I've talked to people who have been abused, either sexually or mentally abused, and they carry those things with them the rest of their life. It produces deep scars in them that hurts and still causes questions. God, why would you allow me to go through this? As a person who went through spiritual abuse, I hold a very deep scar from spiritual abuse that I suffered. But can I tell you, I also know that God has taken that scar. He's healed it. He's healed that wound completely and he's turned that scar into something beautiful because he's used it in my life to say I never want to be a pastor who abuses other people. And I want to make sure other people are taken care of and loved and cared for and that when I say I want to walk beside you, I mean I want to walk beside you and I take your opinions and I listen to them and I care about them and I care about you deeply as a church. Why? Because there was some injustice in my life where I was spiritually abused by a pastor, and so was Renee. But God's made something beautiful out of it. And whatever injustice has ever been done to you, God can make something beautiful out of it, but you first have to allow Him to heal it. And when you allow Him to heal it, then he'll take that scar and he'll make something beautiful out of it. God allows you to go through things in your life to help others, to be a testimony to others, to help others who are facing injustice understand that God loves them and cares for them and can take something beautiful out of the wounds that have been given to them for the injustice done against them. How do we know that Bathsheba was innocent we get this picture that she was innocent based on how the prophet Nathan presents the story of David in 2nd Samuel chapter 12 2nd Samuel chapter 12 again There's a, a few places that you could underline if you would like to and I'll, I'll point those out here in just a few moments and the Lord said uh, Nathan unto David and he came unto him and said unto him there were two men in, the, in one city the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb. Underline that if you would. Which he had bought, bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. And he took the poor man's lamb, underline that, the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. So in this story Nathan's kind of uh, talking in a parable. And he's trying to get David to understand that there's some injustice that's been done. In the story, the poor man is Uriah. The rich man is David. And the little ewe lamb is Bathsheba. Nathan paints this picture that this little ewe ewe lamb is innocent. But the rich man steals the poor man's lamb for, for his personal use. And David, after he hears of this injustice is enraged and demands that the rich man be put to death. And then Nathan drops the truth bomb. Look at verse number 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. You see, David is caught with his own injustice against Bathsheba. And because of this injustice We understand that there's a payment for sin Now I'm thankful for our legal system today I'm thankful for those that abuse Are punished by the law Sometimes uh, I think people could probably be punished a little bit more Sometimes people still get away with Sexual abuse and physical abuse And it's sad but I'm still thankful that there are people that try to help these victims. We see this pain of sin. David is a man guilty of adultery. He's guilty of an attempted cover-up. He's guilty of lying. He's guilty of murder. And because of these sins, Nathan pronounces a judgment on him. Look at uh, verse number... 2 Samuel verse 12 13 and 14 and David said unto Nathan I have sinned against the Lord and Nathan said unto David the Lord also hath put away thy sin thou shalt not die because reality what did David deserve death think about the woman caught in adultery in the New Testament The Pharisees drag her out in front of everybody, in front of the entire city, and they're ready to stone her to death. Why? Because that was the penalty for adultery. David deserved death. But you notice David didn't deny that he was the man. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. He admitted his guilt. It's the same thing when it comes to salvation. You have to admit that you are a sinner and that you are guilty before the Lord. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. This is the punishment for his sin. But, Pastor, that doesn't seem fair. What about Bathsheba? This is her child as well. Yeah, it's justice against David, but what about Bathsheba? You know, our sins affect other people. They don't just affect ourselves. Nathan tells David that because he's admitted his sin before the Lord, that his life would be spared, but because of his sin, that his son would have to die. Because of David's sin, not only did David pay the price, but so did Bathsheba. This wasn't just his son, it was hers also. Sometimes because of the injustice of others, the innocent also suffer the consequences. Ultimately, justice will be served, though. Because we see, as we even come to Bathsheba's life, and we looked at the genealogy of Christ, who did it say she was the mother of? Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. God took a beautiful broken story and made something wonderful out of it. But even when we look at this account, I want us to apply this personally now. Even when we look at this account, is it really much different than how our injustices cause innocent men to cause a, an innocent man, man to lose his life? Our sin, our injustice, required the death of God's only Son. Ultimately, justice has been served. For those who have received Christ, the justice has been served because for all those who receive him have been justified. Romans 3, 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Our justification has come through a holy and perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. He took our punishment for us and justified us through His Son. But that's only for those who have believed. There's still coming an ultimate day of justice for all those who reject Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We understand that if we are not justified through Jesus, eventually we will be justified ourselves by spending eternity in a place called hell. But that's not what God desired. Just as David's son had to die because of injustice, God's son had to die because of our injustice. And he offers us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. For those who reject the justice um, that has been has been given for them already Their judgment has already been pronounced John three seventeen and 18 for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world But that the world through him might be but he that believeth not is condemned already Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God The last thing I want us to see this morning Is the recognition of Innocence God even recognizes Bathsheba's innocence. There's another thing to notice in the story as we wrap up today. Something to give you hope even in the face of injustice. If you live long enough in this world, you'll be treated unjust. It does not go unnoticed by God, though. Look at what we see in the genealogy of Jesus. And Jesse begat David, the king... And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Even though Solomon was the son of David, we see that God acknowledges Uriah, the man murdered by David to cover up his sin with Bathsheba. And it's just like God to take an unjust situation and turn it into something beautiful that he can use. Maybe You've been a victim of injustice in your life. You've suffered at the hands of someone else, or you've faced the consequences for the sin of someone else. Know that God sees you, He knows your story, and He desires to honor you and to make something beautiful out of your life, just like He did with Bathsheba. But Bathsheba also had to come to a place of forgiving the man who caused injustice. Before God can use her story in the way that we see today, she had to be willing to forgive. And so perhaps you have been faced with injustice in your life. Before God can turn your life into something beautiful he desires to use, the question is this. Will you forgive those who caused the injustice in your life? It doesn't mean that you will forget. I did a paper when I was in college on bitterness. And I was talking about how we're supposed to forgive. And, you know, you hear people say all the time, forgive and forget, forgive and forget, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. You know, you know, the only person who can forgive and forget is God. Because he's the only one that can cast our sin as far as the east is from the west and forget it. Because how many times do you continually remember your sins of the past, even though they're the sins of the past? And I had my professor, she, she challenged me. And she says, I understand, it sounds good, forgive and forget. She's like, but how am I supposed to tell this little girl who goes to our church who was sexually abused by her stepfather to forget the abuse that she suffered? The answer is she would never forget it. But she can forgive, and she can move forward with her life and let God make something beautiful out of her life. How can we do this? Ephesians 4.32 and be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Do you realize that there's nothing that anybody could ever do to you that is worse than what we did to Jesus Christ? Because he was an innocent man, never sinned, pure, spotless, who died on the cross of Calvary to forgive you. Of your sins. There's nothing that anybody could ever do to you. That is worse than that. And he says forgive. As Christ forgave. What was it that Jesus cried from the cross? Father forgive them. For they know not what they do. God forgave. Jesus forgave. And he offers his forgiveness today. Despite what injustice others have done to you in the past. Do you recognize that an innocent man paid the price for your injustice to God? Today, do you recognize your need of a Savior? Maybe you realize just how much your sin has destroyed and will destroy your life. And you tried to hide it. You tried to cover it up. You try to justify your deeds, but the reality is you can only be forgiven by receiving Christ as your Savior and asking Him to forgive you of your sins. If you don't know this forgiveness right now, will you receive that forgiveness today? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from All unrighteousness. This is how much he loves and cares for you. Bathsheba, justice in the face of injustice. God offers you justice through his son Jesus Christ today and will forgive you of all the injustice you've ever done. Let's bow our heads close our eyes and pray and then uh we'll have a moment of invitation we'll have a song play over the speakers here in just a minute but perhaps you're here today we don't normally do this but just feel led to do this but perhaps you're here today and you would say pastor aaron at the end of the service you talked about knowing god's forgiveness you talked about knowing christ as my savior and i don't know him today but i want to receive that forgiveness that he offers today if that's you would you raise your hand Anybody? say pastor and i want to know jesus as my savior and i want to know his forgiveness today is there anybody like that christian are you still living with injustices that people have done to you in the past do you need to forgive someone today it starts By you coming and saying, God, I want to forgive this person. That's a start. But then it continues. By making a phone call. By shooting a text message. By writing an email. And saying. Hey, I just want you to know. I've been holding bitterness against you. And I want you to know that I forgive you. For everything that's happened in the past. You might say, Pastor Aaron. What if the person's not living? Pastor Aaron, what, what if it's a person that I, I don't even have a contact for them? Then you tell God today and say, God, I forgive this person for everything they've ever done. And let me encourage you to do something else. Go home, write all the things that were done to you unjustly on a piece of paper, and take a match to it and burn it. And say, God, I give these all to you. Take my life and make it something beautiful that you can use despite the wounds. Lord, make these scars beautiful for you so that others can see.